Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. From Nola Pizza in the Nola Brewing Tap Room on Chapatula Street in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti, Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. There's more to life than money. That's true. In some circles, it's become fashionable to talk about the goal of businesses being about more than single-mindedly making money. Okay, that's true too. But it's worth noting that although money can't buy happiness, poverty can't buy you anything. I stole that witty observation from a meme on Facebook, but it does point to a basic truth. Whatever else you're trying to achieve, you can't start, run, or grow a business without money. When you hear the terms venture capital and Series A funding, you may find your eyes glazing over and your attention wandering, but these are the various ways of saying money. And if you have a local business here in New Orleans, it can be hard to get your hands on enough of it to compete with businesses in capital-rich environments like San Francisco, New York City, or Boston. My guests on Out to Lunch today are both in the business of funding local businesses. Caroline Crumley is an investor at Benson Capital Partners, a venture capital firm founded by Gail Benson, best known as the owner of the Saints football team and the Pelicans basketball team. Caroline, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thanks for having me. Van Hamilton Barbo is vice president of Evangeline Securities, a firm that facilitates mergers and acquisitions and capital raising services through their offices in New Orleans, Lafayette, and Boston, Massachusetts. Van, welcome out to lunch. Thank you for having me. Uh, Caroline, I would think that the general presumption about Benson Capital Partners is Mrs. Benson has a ton of money and she wants to invest some of it in small local businesses that need capital to get started and grow. But apparently, it's not quite that simple. As well as making investments, Benson Capital Partners is an investment business that itself has investors. 10 investors contributed a total of $50 million specifically for real estate investments. And an earlier fund of around $56 million was targeted at local early stage startups. Pumping over $100 million of investment capital into the local business economy has a significant impact. Does all this money come from investors in Louisiana or some of it uh, come from elsewhere? Yeah, great question. Uh, thanks again for having me. Uh, Gail Benson is a really remarkable lady and about four and a half years ago she recognized that she was doing a lot of great amazing work on the foundation front but really was able to create a structure to be able to move the needle through for-profit investing so the idea of Benson Capital was really to um, create a structure we, where we could promote economic development and job growth and wealth creation through actually investing in businesses. So we now have kind of like three legs of the stool to do that. Um, the first is investing off of her balance sheet personally, so that's more like a private investment office. The second is a venture capital fund. That is a $56.5 million fund we have some LPs, so outside capital, right. that came in along limited, partners. limited okay. partners alongside Mrs. Benson that really believed in our thesis 
um, which is around investing in the Gulf South. So there's a lot of really great entrepreneurs and founders here um, that can build as great of a business as folks on either coast. And so providing, uh, filling the gap of a lack of capital in this part of the world to kind of help further that. So we have some awesome limited partners like Entergy and Raising Canes um, and Bank Plus on the venture side. And then kind of like the third leg of the stool is our real estate fund that recently um, had an initial close in the early part of 2023. We are kind of just shy of 70 million in that fund today and um, kind of fundraising, so that number may increase a bit, but have some limited partners, LPs, um, and that fund as well that sit alongside uh, Mrs. Benson. So it's not all Mrs. Benson's yeah. money. There we go. Van, since it opened for business in 2013, Evangeline Securities has reportedly raised $10 billion for clients. That's a billion with a B. Presumably, you wouldn't be able to keep raising money year after year if your investors weren't getting a return on their investments. If there was a formula for which businesses are going to be successful, anybody could do this. But when it comes to business investment, there are plenty of bets that go spectacularly wrong. So without divulging any secret strategies, um, given your impressive track record, what does Evangeline Securities look for in a business that you choose to work with? Yeah, I think there are a lot of factors. Um, the, I think the major thing that we look at is just the company's profitability right now. And kind of as a corollary to that, we really like to look at where the company is going. Um, so kind of the, the growth trajectory of the company is incredibly important when we think about who we're going to take on as a client. So one of the things um, kind of different than what Caroline does is we're investment bankers. So we're not actually investing our money. You're transactional. Exactly. Okay. So we are essentially taking on clients that have, well, mostly we do sell side M&A. I would say that's probably 80% of what we do. And then the rest of it will be equity financing and, and debt financing. So when we're looking to take on a client, we really like to look at the, the growth profile of the company just to make sure that it's going to be a story that actually resonates with the market and to you know, private equity firms that are actually going to be putting the money up front. Well, you know, we've had, um, in 13 years, we've had 1,100 entrepreneurs on this show. And uh, one of the things that's this constant is New Orleans has great ideas and not enough capital. Uh, Caroline, is that what Mrs. Benson was trying to uh, end? 100%. There, there's a really clear lack of capital um, that we need to help keep foster and keep businesses here. Um, post Katrina, our city did a really good job of building up amazing angel networks. And so there's, there's various groups kind of across Louisiana um, that have angel networks that can write kind of initial checks to get a technology business off the ground. And if you get to the size of like a level set or a lucid when they were raising kind of like 10, $15 million, you can get someone from California or New York to get on an airplane and come here for board meetings. But that interim is really hard. And so what we um, really wanted to do and Mrs. Benson's initial, initial mission was to be that kind of first institutional check to try to 
create a platform where founders can stay in New Orleans and stay in the Gulf South around Louisiana um, to grow the business here. And Van, your uh, market is a little different than Caroline's. You are venture capital and starting at the uh, very young companies, but you're looking for, I guess, what we would call kind of middle market. Um, are there lot of opportunities there. Absolutely. So yeah, we are squarely in the lower middle market. So enterprise values from $20 million up to $250 million. How about this, Van? Just because enterprise value isn't something everybody knows. What about sales revenue? Is there a number we should be thinking of there? Um, I mean, it depends on the industry. You're not competing with the Goldman Sachs of the world. No, and, and that's kind of why we like to stay beneath the $250 million in enterprise value, because of that size, it doesn't make sense for a Goldman Sachs or a Morgan Stanley to really transact with, with those kind of companies. So, And the, the good part of that is in the Gulf South, which is you know the majority of what we, we do, typically companies in the Gulf South are going to be kind of sub $250 million. So it makes sense from a, for us from a competitive perspective and also just in terms of the availability of, of companies here. You know, and we're looking... <laughs> Looking at your research, you mentioned like Gulf Coast companies, but I like somebody else had written um, states where there's SEC football teams. That's <laughs> yeah, how, yeah. yeah, we yeah the, the SEC states. Um, that's how we, <laughs> we we like to put it in our in our sales pitch. Um, but that's uh, it's it, it's very true. We I, I think part of the reason why Evangeline was started about ten years ago, um, started by three gentlemen who were from Louisiana worked in New York in, as investment bankers and, you know, over time decided to, to move back to Louisiana. And part of what they realized was that kind of between Atlanta and Houston, it's very much an underserved market when it comes to middle market investment banking. There aren't a lot of folks um, like them and, and, and like me who have worked on Wall Street and, and have that experience and, and training. Um, so it kind of just works out for us that we, we get to be in Louisiana, we get to provide this Wall Street process um, in an area that hasn't typically had that historically. And uh, you're very different in what you do, even though it, in, I'm trying to elaborate on that. Uh, Caroline, your payoff, your investments are not overnight. You're, how, how far are you looking out before you're gonna either sell your share or make some money? Yeah, great question. Um, I guess it kind of depends um, real estate is a little different than kind of uh, venture capital, quote unquote, which is investing in startups. And on the, the startup side, we're investing in companies that are pretty early, right? Um, early in their monetization. And so it may take five, six, seven years um, before an investment really pays off. Um, so through that, it, it's a really... Um, an important decision when you're choosing who to invest in because it's a long-term relationship that you're getting into. Um, on the real estate side as well, we have a really long kind of investment term, so have a lot of flexibility that we're not looking to kind of acquire something and then flip it right away. Um, we have a, again, five, six year um, investment window that we're looking to. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Caroline Crumley, an investor at Benson Capital Partners and Van Hamilton Barbeau, Vice President of Evangeline Securities. We'll continue our conversation when we come right back from this short break. Support for Out to Lunch comes from Adata Corporate Staffing. 
Basics Swim and Gym, and Basics Underneath, Fine Lingerie, Infinite Health Integrative Medicine Center, Michelle Weighing and Measurement, Calibration Services and Measurement Equipment since 1947, New Orleans Ice Cream, available in select grocery stores, and Rev Realtors. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Caroline Crumley, an investor at Benson Capital Partners and Van Hamilton Barbeau. Vice President of Evangeline Securities. And Van, I'm not sure this is exactly what you do, but one of the real bull markets out there is baby boomers built a company and a good company, profitable, and then their kids don't want to run it. And uh, uh, is that part of what you do? Yeah, it's a huge part of, of what we do. We're actually in the market right now with a company, very similar story. Um, you know, the founder is in his you know, late 60s, early 70s, and does not have kids that want to take on the, the company moving forward. And you know, as he's approaching retirement age, entering the M&A market just makes sense. Um, and so we see a ton of that. Um, we hope that that trend kind of continues as you know more of these boomers reach retirement age so that is definitely a huge driver for our business in the lower middle market and carolina i would think with your business of all the well first of all it's it's high risk high return that'd be the best way to go about it but in terms of big problems for you over the last couple of years i would think um interest rates were a big deal is that one of the things that's uh um you're looking at when you do some analysis yeah, that's a good question. For us, we, we're on the venture side, we're investing in businesses that are high growth and are burning cash in order to fuel that growth, right? And so a big part of their ability to succeed is to be able to raise the next round of funding. Um, now, some businesses are profitable and they're growing through their own um, through revenue, but companies that are growing through their ability to raise the next round, those sorts of businesses are um, are reliant on interest rates because as interest rates have increased, um, money's no longer free, and so folks that have moved to kind of like higher, riskier private investments no longer need to put their money there to get the yield that they were getting before. And so the amount of money kind of like going into the venture capital market, investor market has decreased kind of over the last 18 months or so. And, and so that's where the interest rate impact comes in. You know, one of the other things I was thinking about your, your side of the business is you need, uh, when we think of Mrs. Benson's money and then I don't know what percentage 10 other investors would have big institutional investors. Do you do anything with the company? Do you help to manage? I guess, you know, Warren Buffett's been famous for saying, you know, he bought the, uh, he bought the Justin Boot Company and said, the first thing I know is I don't know anything about boots or whatever. Do you, do you dig in and help or is it pretty much just money and let them go? Yeah, good question. Um, we try to be as helpful as we can be without being overbearing, right? So it's really about um, bringing our skill sets and our network and our LPs network to help these companies succeed in any way that we can. And so that's um, using kind of like PR expertise that we have to help kind of with PR. Um, it can be creating connections for potential customer referrals for businesses. Um, it can be strategizing and, and helping with 
um, financial modeling, kind of like all the things. So we have 13 investments on the venture side now. And so everybody has kind of like different needs and different wants. So we try to be, we kind of try to be a waiter with a menu and folks get to choose kind of like how they're, how they're asking us for help. A waiter didn't work out well. Right. <laughs> you might want to come up with a different example, but it's something. <laughs> um, Van, and I could ask either one of you this year, let's see, Caroline has an advantage because she's seeing companies that are down here that maybe, you know, Silicon Valley hasn't really looked at. And you are looking in that middle market area. Um, is there competition? And what would competition look like? You're, in your case, um, would you would it be based on what you can promise the owner for? Yeah, so I, I think the huge differentiator for Evangeline is really our institutional network of investors. Um, as I mentioned, the three founders spent most of their career on Wall Street and in New York, and over time have really developed this excellent network of private equity firms, family offices, and I think that's really the huge differentiator that we have is even though we're representing mostly companies from, from the Gulf South, our network of investors is on the West Coast, on, on the East Coast. We have European investors as well. So I think that's really what we bring to the table and uh, definitely the, the huge differentiator that we have. And when you mention those investors, what do they get? Let's say there's a $100 million business and you've got 10 people with an equal share of it. Do they run the company or do uh, uh, does the existing man? Well, I guess the existing management wouldn't run it because the guy's trying to move to Florida, right? So, so they, <laughs> yeah. So. yeah, so there, there are different um, ways to, to structure transactions. We don't necessarily see that many 100% acquisitions where the you know founder or CEO just gets to, to leave the company. Usually there is some form of rollover equity. And you know the reason why private equity firms do that is they, they want to see that you have confidence in, in your business. So if you're willing to roll 15, 20% of, of, of your equity into the new co, that's a good indicator to the private equity firm that you believe in this growth story that you, you've set out and you're going to help them ultimately get to the the next bite at the apple, because another reason why you do the, the rollover equity and why it's so appealing to, to founders is, yes, you do get to take some chips off the table in the first acquisition, but then, you know, three, five years later, down the road, when the private equity firm that acquires or invests in you um, takes you back out to market, you get a, a second bite at the apple with your rollover equity. That's right, because you want to you want them to sort of vest in the deal, right? Because it's their connections and everything that runs. I would think a lot of viewers, not to, it certainly isn't an insult, but um, they're mature businesses that you're looking at. And Caroline, the difference in here is you're, you've got pretty sexy businesses. And uh, Mature isn't the word that we had used <laughs> oh, earlier, oh, earlier stage oh, on our right. side. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure. implying that no. man was more mature oh. than the company. <laughs> 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 Band's quite mature. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, certainly. You know, we're, we're working with early, scrappy, um, high-growth companies, whether they're building technology and software, where they're, whether they are coming out of um, a two-lane PhD program and um, creating really amazing scientific endeavors, kind of um, early businesses with kind of um, initial traction and cu 
uh, in companies and we're looking to invest dollars that they can use towards sales and marketing to kind of get to the next level. Let me ask you a question. When I think of what you're doing, I think of high-tech businesses that are here, but you've been a buyer of a show, uh, a group we had on the show and that was Hamper. And uh, it's kind of the Uber of laundry and we loved having her, having her on. What appealed to you there? I love Laurel too. So okay. we're all in a Laurel Hess <laughs> fan club. Uh, she is the CEO of, CEO and founder of Hamper, which is a Lafayette-based kind of Uber of laundry, as you said. Um, so much of what we do are investing in the people. Um, and specifically with Hamper, of course, we were really impressed with their early traction and um, the metrics that they were able to show in terms of their growth. But most importantly, we're just really impressed with Laurel as a person, as a leader, as a founder, her ability to do what she she um, do what she says and says what she does and um, execute with um, execute on her vision and building out a team. She was a really easy person actually to meet and immediately feel like we wanted to invest and bet on her. So it's not just income statements and balance sheets. It's, uh, it's them as, as persons. And I, I guess, do you know right away that these are great characters or you should run away? There would be something great if we had cracked the code <laughs> of knowing right away. Um, but yeah, I think that it is, as you mentioned before, kind of this is a, a five to seven year kind of engagement. Um, and so we are working alongside the founders of these companies in good times and in bad. And so it's really important to understand um, how they're going to deal with really tricky situations and how we're going to deal with them together. I would bet when you're looking for money, just the marquee value of the Pelicans and the Saints, you know, would help, you know, that these are good businesses as well. So, uh, and Van, what do you think? And I just want to ask you a question. You started, your, you were born in Quebec. Um, then you came down here, worked for GNO Inc. Uh, why the New Orleans connection? Because you think we speak French so correctly <laughs> here? I don't Back on Carondelet Street. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's kind of a, a, a long story, but... Um, and kind of unrelated to you know, the, the rest of the conversation, but I was just one of these 16-year-olds that was very impacted by Hurricane Katrina, even though I had no ties to New Orleans at all at, at the time. And um, we had just moved from Quebec to New York, so my welcome back to America two weeks later was Katrina, and I just remember thinking it was <clears throat> the most horrible thing to, to happen in the United States. And kind of at that moment, I, I knew that at some point in my life, I wanted to move down to New Orleans and help out in some capacity. I didn't know what that would actually be because I was 16 and didn't know much about anything. Um, so, <laughs> so, so once I graduated from, from college, decided to move down here and, and worked at GNO Inc. in economic development. So that's, uh, that's what, what brought me here. And ultimately what, what kept me here is just once I got here, this rapidly became home. So, yeah, very, very different way to, to end up in, in New Orleans. But I'm not going to say Katrina was a positive, but we have so many people in the show that came because of it. Yeah. And uh, I don't need another one. That was, uh, that was where, that's not where that was, uh, that was uh, going. So, Caroline, first of all, you're from here. You're 
Secret Heart grad and all that. And uh, but what you're doing here is people hear these terms all the time, and it's it seems confusing. But you're you're looking at venture capital, early stage, but you're not angel investors, right? So how would you explain the difference? Great question. Um, first off, we're so grateful for people like you, Van, that aren't from here that decide to make this lovely, crazy city home. So <laughs> that's how uh, we're going to grow and succeed by having people move down here. Thank so you. thanks for that. No but um, yeah, great question on angel versus venture. Um, an angel investor is typically like an, a high net worth individual person, a single person that's looking to put kind of money from their pocketbook into a business. Um, venture capital, quote unquote, is usually more of an institutional investor. So Benson Capital Partners is an institutional investor that has money flowing from multiple different kind of limited partners. And so that's why we are different than an, an angel group. And typically angels are investing a little bit, usually an angel investor is like a first check into a company, super, super early. We had uh, Mike Eckert and yeah. talking about his angel, angel funds. And same thing on your side, right? I mean, people aren't listening saying, uh, I'd like to get a piece of that. I mean, these are big institutions. They're banks. Um, who else is in that, that camp that is where you're tapping money? Uh, in, in terms of the actual investors? Yeah. Yeah, uh... yeah I mean, I, I think it's, it'll be, as I mentioned earlier, a lot of private equity firms that focus specifically on the lower middle market, a lot of family offices. Uh, we do some work with sovereign wealth funds as well. Um, so yeah, kind of a, a wide spectrum of potential in investors that have ultimately focused on the lower middle market as a market where there could be outsized returns. So obviously when you look at what's going on in the public markets right now um, and, and with larger companies, we found that there have been a lot of investors that want to essentially diversify the markets that they invest in. And so that's why they've been uh, targeting the lower middle market. I've spent a lot of time elaborating the difference between you folks, but <laughs> you're both bringing money into the city, which is the missing component. So. A lot of us have a love-hate relationship with money. We love having it, uh, but we don't love the effort, time, and risks we often have to take to get a hold of it. Two wealthy and successful entrepreneurs in the 20th century, John Lennon and Paul McCartney, famously said, money can't buy me love, but like love, if money was easy to get and keep it, it wouldn't be highly prized. <laughs> Where you find love is a topic of a very different show, but if you have a business in Louisiana, there are places where you can find money. Not the least among them is Benson Capital Partners and Evangeline Securities. Caroline and Van, as investors and experts, you're providing literally invaluable tools and products for the development and growth of local businesses. It's been great to meet you. Thank you both for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you so much. Thank you. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Caroline Crumley, investor at Benson Capital Partners, and Van Hamilton, 
Barbeau, Vice President at Evangeline Securities. We edited the show to fit into the time slot here on WWNO. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Caroline's and Van's investments by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast on your podcast app and on our website, itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. And our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business, New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch was recorded live over lunch at the NOLA Brewing Tap Room, 3001 Chapatula Street, open seven days a week. NOLA Brewing Tap Room has a wide variety of craft beers and authentic hand-tossed New York-style city pizza by NOLA Pizza. More information is at nolabrewing.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, to learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com. 